Well, as we come into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it's kind of a very interesting set of verses, a very powerful set of verses to a child of God. And we realize that one thing about Paul is he was a man of God that remained true to his convictions, regardless of all the turmoil and pain and suffering that Paul went through. So no matter what the cost was, he was willing to follow Christ. And that has to be our attitude. I mean, the whole purpose of our life is to glorify God. That's the whole duty of man, to fear God and keep his commandments, as the Word of God says. But as we look here, he wasn't a pragmatist. He wasn't like one that would just do whatever he can to bring listeners in. He only spoke the Word of God, and he spoke it in truth and clarity. He spoke it with a passion and a heart set for the glory of God. purpose of his life is truly he was convinced totally that the power of God can change a heart from the inside out, change a life where the Holy Spirit seals them till the day of redemption. And this is the message that he preached. There were many people in that time, religious leaders that did not like Paul, very much hated in many different circles. But Paul has always remained true to his conviction. He was true to the word of God. And I pray that you would be true to the word of God. I pray that if we're going to confess Christ, that we would be true to the Christ of Scripture, that we would know him and grow in that grace and knowledge of who he is, that we'd have a knowledge of the holy, that we would be faithful to him, for he is faithful to us, that we would love him through obedience to the word of God, not just mere expression of our words, but actual obedience. We say that we love Christ, that means that you have an obedient heart to the words of God, that what he has spoken, and I want us to be encouraged here about Paul. Paul was a child of God, obviously. He was a testimony. One of the greatest evangelist preachers that there ever was, that's for sure. Wrote most of our New Testament that we have before us. But God did amazing work in Paul's heart. And I want you to know, when you think about Paul on a Damascus Road experience, I want you to realize that not all of us will have a Damascus Road experience, but we will have the idea of what it means to be born again and regenerated. To be born from above, as the scripture says. And so when I think about Paul and I think about what he writes here, I want you to know that everything didn't always go well for Paul. There are many times in his life where he was hurting and fearful as we are. There are many times that he struggled, but he always went to Christ, and Christ always empowered him and gave him the strength to overcome the obstacles. And when you see him writing here, I think you'll understand that. And remember, these are the words of God. Paul wrote these words, but the Holy Spirit gave him the words to write. And I want you to realize that when you read scripture that this is God speaking. This isn't a mere man. This isn't Paul. This is God speaking to us through Paul. And so when we look here, we come into that first verse in verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith. We're talking about an attitude of faith here, not the Holy Spirit. Okay, we've got to bring everything into context. That's vitally important. So when the Bible says here, we having the same spirit of faith, we're talking about an attitude of faith. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit, but Paul had the same conviction about the power of the message as the psalmist did, because as he speaks here, he comes out of the book of Psalms, and we're going to see that, because when we look, he says, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, and we know whenever we see that in the New Testament, we're talking about Old Testament, I believe, therefore, have I spoken, and we also believe, and therefore Speak. I mean, the quotation comes out of the Greek Septuagint. This is an Old Testament verse in Psalm 116, verse 10. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. 
you know, when I look at the Word of God here, if we really believe what we believe, we can speak it and we can do it in love. So when Paul says here very clearly, he says, I believe, therefore have I spoken. The reason that he has spoken what he believed is because the Holy Spirit had regenerated him. The Holy Spirit empowered him. The Holy Spirit gave him the strength to overcome the obstacles of his life. And he was a faithful one to Christ. I mean, I want us to be faithful to Christ. I want us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Savior. I want us to read the Word of God and study the Word of God. I want us to grow in Christ. I want us to be more faithful to Him than we've ever been. And when Paul speaks here, quoting from the psalmist, as I said, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. It's kind of like you and I. We also speak the Word of God. There are many people that are hurting today and we don't always see them. Many of them hide themselves very well. But you and I have the words of life. They've been given to us by God because of our regeneration, what it means to be born again and to be placed in the body of Christ. And so when we look here, we also have been given this gift. We believe, therefore we speak. We believe our confidence is wholly upon Christ. So when Paul here is speaking, in the midst of his troubles, the psalmist, even David, confidently asked God to deliver him from all his troubles. And I want you to realize that even though we may feel that we have troubles, we can go to God with our troubles and we can ask him to help us get through our troubles. We can confidently know that he will deliver us with a purpose for our life. We know that many times people will say, well, if I become a Christian, will all my bad things go away? Well, not necessarily. But what we do know is that Christ will be with us as we go through the trying times. And so the psalmist was confident to ask God to deliver him from all his troubles. And he could confidently, and notice that word, do so because God would answer his prayers. You know, I think it's vitally important for us to be a praying church. I think if we're not a praying church, it's going to die. I think it's important for all of us, no matter who we are, to be praying one for another. I mean, that's the confidence that Paul had. Paul was hated by many people that were in the religious right. Paul had confronted even Peter at a time when Peter was wrong. Paul spoke the truth, but he did it in love. He spoke it with boldness because the Holy Spirit empowered him, enabled him to speak the word of God. So when you and I are amidst a company that may not necessarily believe the Bible nor Christ, we have the boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the truth to people that are still dead in their sins. Now what God does with that is between them and God. But what we do know is that we have the boldness, the confidence to speak the truth and do it in love. Not the idea of bullying somebody, not the idea I'm smarter than you, but the idea that you love Christ and you want all men to see Christ the way you see him. And you know that only God is the one that regenerates the heart. So we speak the truth, we do it by conviction all for the glory of God. You know, a lot of times people talk about Christ and things like that, but you know by talking to them that they have no firm conviction of what they say is even true. A lot of times you talk to Christians and they say this or that, and you take them to a few verses and ask them what do they see about that. Well, I don't necessarily believe that. And so right away you realize that maybe they don't have the confidence by conviction of what you believe. I think it's really important for us in the hour that we're in to know why you believe what you 
believe. Not because somebody told you, not because the pastor said or this guy said. No, because you have written, read the word of God. The Holy Spirit has confirmed the word of God in your heart. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, not because of no man, but because God has spoken it to you by conviction. And so when you and I are encountered by the unbelieving world, we know what we believe and why we believe it. We're not afraid to express ourselves. We are not afraid to speak the truth. We want to be bold for the glory of God. Paul was a man of God and he was bold. He had convictions of doctrine. He knew where he stood. He did not sway with the times. He did not say the culture's changing so my message has to change. He was like Christ. He never changed his message all the way through his ministry, even to his death day, and nor did Christ. Okay, so Paul, his old life was growing up to be more like his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be. We need to be growing up in Christ. We need to be faithful to him. The hour is going to get very dark for Christians, okay? And so I keep saying this, but sometimes I wonder if we're really believing that. But as I see the word of God, I believe the Bible's telling us that we need to be very sound in doctrine, very convicted over our doctrine and why we believe what we believe. And not because of someone said this or someone said that, but God said it in the book, therefore it's settled, right? I mean, that's how we had that kind of conviction. That's the way Paul was. He had that conviction in his heart. Look at his conviction in verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Think of these verses in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believeth thou this. Okay, so when you think about conviction here, he says in our verse, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. The us are believers in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus speaks here in John chapter 11, he makes it very clear. I am, that's one of the seven I am's of John. I am the resurrection and the life. We need to believe that with absolute conviction. Who is the resurrection of life? Christ. How do we know that? That's what the Bible says. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. How do we know that when we're dead, that we're not just going to be buried in a hole? Because my Bible says that Christ was raised, and so will I be raised in Christ. Amen? So when you look here, he says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. So when we come to our death day, what is death? Death is a shadow. We don't die. We are more alive than we've ever been. Amen? I mean, when somebody dies in Christ, they are forever with Christ. They are more alive than they've ever been. And so you and I know there's a day coming that we believe in him, we live in him, and we know that we'll never die because Christ said, believe it thou this, and we would have to say, yea, Lord, I believe that is the word of God. What about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which every true, honest, born-again believer believes that with all his heart, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Of course, we're talking about the rapture of the church. So when we look here, we know there's hope given to these believers. There's hope given to us. We know that this is not 
our best life now. Our best life is going to be with Christ when we are in the glorified state, when we have been saved to sin no more. And so when you look there, we realize if we believe uh, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. So we have a hope that's given to us in Christ. That means that every true child of God, our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in any one person. Our hope is in the Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And of course, when you look in Jude verse 24, the Bible says, now unto him that is able, now he's talking to us. I want you to realize verse 24 in Jude is talking to believers. Now unto him that is able to keep you, believer, from falling, that means that who am I, how am I kept from falling? God himself, he says, and to present you faultless. The word faultless is our word blameless. That means when we stand before God the Father based on the imputed righteousness of Christ, that we are absolutely blameless before God. We have no sin for it has been paid for in Christ. So now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless from the presence of his glory. And then it says with exceeding joy and i think that's an amazing thing because it is exceeding joy and so when you come into verse 15 paul speaking for all things are for your sakes now i want you to realize when he says here about all things he's talking about all the suffering that he's had to do to be faithful to christ has been for your sakes been for Christ's church and what i mean by that he's talking about believers he says even though i have suffered many many things I've been through a lot of pain physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, the Bible makes that very clear. But all things are for your sakes. The reason why you endure through the hard times is for their sakes. You want the sheep to be fed. You want the sheep to grow. You want them to know Christ more intimately than they ever have. You want them to know that what doctrine means, how important it is to be sound in doctrine, to grow in Christ, to be more like Christ day by day. So for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace, and look at our word abundant, I mean absolutely abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound, or we could use the word superabound, to the glory of God. I mean the ultimate goal of the believer is what? To glorify God in everything he does. The purpose of your life is to glorify God in every aspect of your life. When you live and you breathe and you get up Monday morning or any morning or you go to bed at night, you do it all for the glory of God. When you're eating your breakfast or your lunch or your dinner, you're doing it all for the glory of God. When you're talking to people about things in life, you're doing it all for the glory of God. That is what the Bible says. That's what God calls us to do. And so when you look at a set of verses there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken? of for that for which I give thanks. Paul answers it in verse 31. For whatsoever ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, you do all for the glory of God. That's the purpose of every true born-again Christian. So when he says, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many, not all, many, these are believers, redound to the glory of of God. So the purpose of our life is obviously to give glory to God, live every day for the glory of God, knowing one day we're going to come into what we call the glorified state where we'll be saved to sin no more. There's coming a day where you will not sin 
no more. So when Paul is going through all these things that he goes through, what is he talking about? I do it for your sakes. I want you to know that as a child of God that you can be faithful to Christ. You can be faithful to him. That is most important to your life. There's nothing more important than being faithful to Christ. You can look at your circumstances, your situation. You can play your violin. Don't do it. Don't pity yourself. Give glory to God. Praise his name. Stand true to him and be faithful to the end of your life. Be faithful in your study. Be faithful in your meditation. Be faithful to him that has called you. For the Bible says, for he, the one that calls you, he will do it. And so when you look here, he says in verse 16, because he's drawn into this, he says, for which cause we faint, talking about Paul and his band of preachers per se, but he's also talking about us as children of God, no matter who we are, for which cause we faint not. The word faint, to be utterly spiritless. I mean, that's what he's talking about. To be absolutely, totally exhausted for the cause of Christ. But what does he say? For which cause we faint not. What cause? What? For your sakes, that the abundant grace might with the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. Remember at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 4, 1, the Bible says, therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we, same word, faint not. So we, we press on with all our being, with everything we have, because we know many are going to be redound to glory or superabound as we look at it from another English word. But he says, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man, perish. I mean, this is the physical body, all of us, in the process of decay. Your body is dying, okay? Kind of like when a baby is born, from that day forward, their body is dying. It gains its strength, and then slowly over the years, we lose the strength that we once have. And so when he says here, but through our outward man perish, it will eventually die. That is this physical body. I think we understand that. Paul is referring to the normal aging process. Okay? Everything has a purpose. But with the avid emphasis of his own life here, of his life, how sped up the process. Paul was giving everything he had for the glory of God. Paul was not a married man. Paul did not have a family. Paul gave every part of his life for the cause of Christ. There was no other uh, things he had to commit himself to outside of Christ. And when you look here, we realize that even though Paul was not an old man, as some would say, but he had absolutely sped up his lifestyle to a point that his body was breaking down much faster than the average person. But so when we look here, we realize that Paul wore himself out in ministry. I mean, that's what our word says here. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish. He wants you to understand that his outward man is perishing at a more rapid pace, both in effort and pace that he maintained, which is absolutely phenomenal, and plus the number of beatings and attacks that he observed absorbed from his own enemies. When you look at verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, the Bible of Christ kind of gives, or Paul kind of gives a testimony of what he suffered. Now this is Paul, the evangelist, okay? 
What did he suffer? And they were ministers of Christ. I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequent in deaths oft. I mean, this is his resume. And he says here, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one, because they could only whip you thirty-nine times instead of forty. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had a thrashing where a whip came across my back thirty-nine times. But you can rest assured it must have been extremely painful. And Paul says here, of the Jews five times I received this forty, minus one stripe. And he says here, thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I was suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren, Paul's testimony, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Now what you see here is a man sold out for the cause of Christ. Now I want you to know, some people would say, my goodness, how could a man endure such pain and suffering among men? The reason they endured it is he had a love for Christ that burned in his heart. His heart was set ablaze for the glory of God. All that pain, all that suffering meant nothing to Paul. Paul was a man of God. Paul was a man of conviction. Paul knew what he believed and he was willing to stand true to what he believed. So even though religious rulers came against him, even though some Christians throughout Paul's journeys did not always agree with Paul, but Paul was faithful to Christ. And I think that's really important for us to see that. The whole aspect of our life is for us to be faithful to Christ. That is so vitally important. Don't tell me you love Christ. You know, you hear a lot of Christians say, well, I love Jesus. You know, we can talk about that all we want. But I want you to know, if, a, if you truly love Christ, that means that you've got an obedient heart set and given to the glory of God with your life, with every aspect of your life. And so Paul, he demonstrates to us that his outward man is perishing, all the things that he had been through, all the suffering that he endured. Behold, this man is dying. He makes it very clear. Mine's more rapid than most, but his purpose was for the glory of God. His purpose was for Christ's sheep to come to a full knowledge of their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is absolutely vitally important that you know what you know based upon what the Bible says, the full counsel of the Word of God, not just bits and pieces, not like many churches that, that jump around and stay away from hard texts. You go through the Word of God, no matter how hard the text is, because it's in the Bible and there's a purpose for it. So you're well-rounded, well-taught, sound in doctrine, and you know why you believe what you believe, because God the Holy Spirit has brought full conviction into your heart. That's how Paul could go through and suffer all the things that he suffered because he knew that God had a part in this and he wanted to be everything that he could for the glory of God. And that's where our hearts should be in the same way. So when Paul says here, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, he makes it very clear what he's speaking of, yet the inward man. Now the inward man is the soul of every believer. We're talking about <clears throat> the new creation, the new creature in Christ, where you and I have been regenerated. We have been born again. 
or better terminology, we have been born from above. And so when you look here, we're talking about the internal part of the believer. This is the part that never dies, okay? So when he says here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, Paul speaking here to the church at Ephesus, you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How did we have that righteousness and that holiness? God did it, and we say, Amen. No doubt about it. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Of course, the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So when we talk about the inward man, that is what you are giving health to. That is what you are living for. The inward man, the new creature, the new creation. You and I that have been born again or born from above, been regenerated, given a new heart. We've been given a new heart. We don't have that old heart of stone. Our heart is a heart of flesh and it's been given to us by God with a purpose for us to be people of his that glorify him in everything. So when Paul says here again in our verse, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That word renewed means to cause to grow up. I mean, that's what it speaks of, to, to make new, or new strength is given to one. That's what that word renewed is, is renewed day by day, moment by moment, like living your life and you read the Bible. Why do we read the Bible? I want to know Christ. I want to know him more than I've ever known him. I want to prepare myself for when my day comes by death, that I will be ready to come into the presence of Christ because I have met him. I know him. I walk with him. I'm true to him. He's true to me. He's shown himself. He's revealed himself. I have a holy, complete confidence in the word of God that when my day comes, I will be ready, I'll be prepared, and I'll enter into the presence of my Savior, and my faith will become sight. Okay? So when you look here, he says, is renewed. When is it renewed? Day by day. That's how a Christian grows, day by day. I mean, the growth and maturing process of the believer is constantly occurring. We call that progressive sanctification. While the physical body is decaying, the inner self of the believer is to grow and to mature into Christ-likeness. That's like if you show somebody, where they say, well, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and you just know they've been a Christian for 20 years because you can see it by their life, you can see it by their love for Christ, you can see it by their boldness and their love for people. They can see that and the love for God's word and you say, boy, there's no doubt about it. He's been saved 20 years. He knows the word of God. It's like a fire in his bosom. I mean, every time you talk to him, you just feel like you walked into the presence of God. There are few of them men, but they are wonderful to be with. They're such an encouragement to younger believers to stand true to the word of God because they have over their years, however many years that may be, have still true, stood true and they proved themselves by their testimony before others. You know, that testimony is very important. There's a lot of people that profess a faith in this person of the Lord Jesus that have never met him. But if we have met him, if we have had that encounter with God, we will understand Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 16. And this is the prayer, one of the prayers that Paul prayed for 
the people at Ephesus. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints, which is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know, look at the word know, that's that word intimacy, okay? That is talking about intimacy. And to know the love of Christ, which patheth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20, now unto him, God, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power of the Holy Spirit that worketh in us. Okay, that's the power of God, right? And so when you look here, renewed day by day, that's the way we should pray one for another. That's a good prayer to pray for people that you love. And that is exactly what that is. And that is a prayer from 16 to verse 20. And so Paul, after giving all this, edification for exhortation after he speaks this what does he say verse 17 for our light affliction now when you look at the word light affliction which is but for a moment i mean the greek word for light means a weightless trifle okay uh, an affliction refers to an intense pressure there are many christians that are going through a very intense pressure Maybe to stay committed to Christ. Maybe their life is on the line. More Christians are being executed today than ever in the history of the church worldwide. We don't hear much about that, but it's happening. They're trying to put the Christian voice out forever. It will never work. God will raise up another prophet or another pastor, another preacher, an evangelist, or a missionary, or somebody. God does what he wants to do. No matter how often down through history they have tried to silence the church, it never works. God just raises up another man. God just raises up another woman. God does what he wills with everything that he does because he controls all things of all men. So when he says here, Paul speaking, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, a weightless trifle, absolutely nothing in per se, which is but for a moment, even though the affliction will be intense pressure, we will feel as if we're going to faint. We will feel as if we're going to quit or walk away. But from a human perspective, Paul's own testimony lists are what? He went through many sufferings, many persecutions, many afflictions, but he was faithful to Christ. He endured it through his whole life. I mean, he viewed them as, as weightless and lasting only for a brief moment. That's Paul speaking. So when you think about that, we realize for all the afflictions that come into our life, and we all have many, we all have many things that have brought great pressure upon us. Be faithful to Christ. Be faithful to him. Don't turn away. Don't fall down. Get up. Stand still. And if you can't walk forward, lock them, choose the peace into the ground, and don't move. God never gave us armor for the backside. Because God's children need to be soldiers. And if we can't go forward, we can lock into the ground right where we're at and not move.
And the Bible is very clear with that. So Paul, he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, what's he say? Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, when you look at the Greek word here for weight, it refers to a heavy mass, okay? For Paul, the future glory that he would experience with the Lord. He looked forward to that day. He would rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord. I mean, that's what he said over and over again. But this far outweighed any suffering that he experienced in this world. And Paul experienced a lot of suffering. And there are many Christians that have experienced great times of suffering and trial and affliction. But Christ is faithful to us. That is most important. Faithful to us and verses there in Romans chapter 8 verse 17 and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together he's talking to every true child of God and he also talked about the future glory in verse in verse 18 for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, a believer, okay? And so Paul understood that the greater the suffering, and Paul suffered great things, and many other people down through the years, missionaries and preachers and lay people, whatever the the terminology, children of God, we should say. I mean, he knew that the eternal glory, which the theologians refer to as the eternal state, will far outdo any pain or suffering we have in this life. When you come out of this life, you'll be ushered into life like you've never seen it in your life. You'll see things you never thought you would see. You will see Christ your shepherd, the bishop of your souls. Because when you look here, Paul understood the greater the suffering, the greater would be his eternal glory. When you look at a verse like 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, but rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That was Peter talking to a, a bunch of persecuted Christians, okay? That's exactly what he's talking about here in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4.13, But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. I mean, every child of God should be a very joyful person. You know, you find a lot of children of God sometimes that are not very joyful in their heart. Be joyful. My goodness, you have Christ. You know, that's the whole focus of our life. Be joyful. Why should I be joyful? You have Christ. What more could you want than the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity? And so when Paul's talking to us here, he says very clearly in verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, everything we see, touch, feel, it's all going to be gone someday. Everything. Okay, so when we look here, he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. I mean, the endurance is based on one's ability to look past the physical to the spiritual. Now, that's not easy, is it? I mean, when you really think about it, look past the physical to the spiritual. Absolutely. And when we look here, it's beyond this present to the future. I mean, yes, we may be suffering. 
But yes, one day we're going to be in glory. We're going to come into the, the celestial city. We're going to walk through the gates, the pearly gates. We're going to be with Christ in a world that has no sin, a world that has no sickness, a world that God rules top to bottom, and a world that God has adopted us into when we leave this life and come into the presence of Christ. So when the Bible says here, as you look, while we look not at the things which are seen, talking about the Christian, but at the things which are not seen. I mean, believers must look past. We must look past the temporary. Our here and now. We've got to look past it. If we focused on the here and now, we'd become very discouraged and depressed. We'd be people full of anxiety, like so many are today. Many, many people, even Christians, full of anxiety look behind it look to Christ the Bible says look to Christ and live and so when you look at the scripture here he makes it very clear we must look past the temporary to what is perishing the things of this world we have to get past it some people, there's an old saying, they say, how, you're so heavenly uh, thought, or what was that? I can't remember how it goes now. You know, we're so heavenly thinking all the time that we are no earthly good. What was that? Yeah, there we go. That's it. Um, and you think about it, we're no earthly good. That's not true. If you will take your whole heart and affection, set it upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and never take your eyes off the cross that's before you, you will be one powerful Christian. Because even though your life may be spinning here, you are fine in your heart. You are fine in the inward man. You're set for the glory of God. Nothing moves you. No matter what comes and hits your life, nothing moves you. That's where we want to be. So what does Paul say again in verse 18? Well, we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Look around. It's all temporal. We're temporal. We, get, we have one life to live. Soon it'll be over. The rapture doesn't happen. This old body will be buried in a hole somewhere. Or put in a wall. Or however people want to do that. But as we look here, what do we find? The things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Look past your circumstances, child of God. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ that cross never take them off and press forward to the high prize calling of God as Paul understood but when you look here and he says but the things which are not seen are eternal pursuing God and Christ and the Holy Spirit that should be your heart's desire and the souls of men to bring others unto the Christ that has introduced himself to you that he would show himself to them. And so when you think about that, press through the temporary, press through today, focus on Christ, focus on the cross, and never take your eyes off it, and keep walking. And even though things will strike us from every direction, our focus, our mindset, our heart has to be on Christ alone. And the people will look at you and think, what in the world? 
How can you still believe in Christ? All these terrible things that are happening to you. You say, oh my goodness, my eternal weight is going to be so glorious. I don't even worry about the things of this world. And so when you look at a verse like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, notice the past tense, hath loved us, hath given us, past tense, this is the Father, hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope, good hope through grace. That's amazing. Good hope through grace. I mean, what is the blessed hope? Christ. Christ. And so again, when you're in closing, you look at the verse here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, and this is the promise. Remember, all the promises in God are yea. Praise God. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, children of God, even eternal life. That's the promise. Now where is the eternal life? Jesus Christ is eternal life. So when I look at that verse, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. We look around, we feel disappointed sometimes. We look around, we have situations in our life that are not always fun. Some of them are very painful. Some of them are hurtful. Some of them bring us to tears. And you know that when you cry and your tears come down, that God has a bottle that he puts your tears in? Did you know that? It does. Wipe your tears away. Look to Christ. Follow him with all your heart. Remember, there's coming a day where God will wipe away your tears. All the suffering that we went through in this life to be brought into the presence of him. And you'll wipe your tears away and you'll never shed another tear the rest of your eternal life. Because you are found in Christ. That's where we need to be. We need to be faithful faithful, well-convicted, well-studied, well-thought-through, and grounded in Christ and Christ alone.